Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Do you have a to-do list that just seems like it's endless and that stuff just continues to pile onto it and there's really no end in sight? If so, this episode is definitely for you because I have Sabrina Runback on the show and we're going to be covering how to manage your to-do list so it doesn't feel so overwhelming and how to gain time back during your week so you have that extra time to be able to focus on your health or to relax and reduce your stress levels overall. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And Sabrina Runbeck overcame burnout while she was working in the cardiothoracic surgery, and now she is able to maintain a clinical practice while helping healthcare private practice owners gain a day per week. She integrates a lot of her background in medicine, neuroscience, and positive intelligence to create a simple six-step system that allows her clients to stop having endless to-do lists or needing to put out fires on a daily basis. Now, I'm sure many of you listening to this definitely feel like you're in that rat race where there's just fire drills all the time, your to-do list is never-ending, etc. And so that is why I brought Sabrina onto the show, because at some point, we have to have an end to the madness and be able to reduce our stress so that it isn't impacting our health. And a lot of our chronic diseases and the top killers in our country are stress-related conditions that we could manage if we manage how we perceive our work and work our schedules and all that type of stuff. So let's dive into my conversation with Sabrina. Thank you, Sabrina, for coming onto the show. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for having me, and thanks everyone for listening in. You choose us when you can be doing anything. Yeah, and I'm very excited to chat with you because you have a lot of um, different strategies to help people to gain back an extra day in their work week, to reduce the amount of stress that they're taking on, and to just take control of their productivity. Uh, But before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about you and um, what's your background. Yeah, I am your typical busy bee. Like growing up, I'm the only girl in the family, only child, all my cousin boys. So from an Asian family, typically is that girls, you get a good grade, good job, marry off, have kids, that's pretty good life. And that's the opposite of what I see how my life could be. <laughs> so of course, competing with all these boys who are doing a good place in the world, I'm like, hmm, I'm the one who got the most amount of degrees. So two bachelors, two masters later, I pick heart and lung surgery. And then family and friends start saying, Sabrina, why would you want to pick a medical field that has probably the highest turnover and the most stressful? Because I just didn't see anything that interests me. So seven years later, I'm still working at it, but it didn't come without paying the price. And I remember earlier on my career, I was so excited that I was in one of the best heart center in the country and really in the world where people fly internationally. Some of them even have their own translator with them. So you get the sense of pride of like, wow, you're really doing something big in the world in helping people. And especially heart disease is the number one killer in the world. And when they have to have surgery, really because there's no other option. 
But that also means we get into the round of, oh no, you have to do everything. If you don't do it, who else is gonna do it? You're gonna do it faster than someone else. And also the same pattern of my staff turnover is so high. The nurses, medical assistant keep coming and leaving and not even before they're properly trained. So you're always feeling like the stop and go type. And when other people in the practice, my supervising physician or other people needed to leave on vacation, I end up taking calls all the time. So then I realized, wow, did I get myself to a place where other people think I got it, right? The careers and, and the whatnot. But did I really want this life? Is that how I see myself again? That's when I start seeing the back end of burning out myself where I was constantly sick and yeah, I'm operating and constantly feeling frustrated because when that phone call or the beeper goes, I'm like, oh, right? Like, it's like, what now? I had to totally stop myself to be real at the point of technically, I did this to myself, right? And I think everyone who listen, especially when you're high functioning, you can relate. The more you do, the more people want you to do, and then people add on, right? And unless you stop yourself and recognize what's important to you, what do you want, no one else gonna do that for you. So I had to take a break to say, what does that mean? How come there are so many other entrepreneurs, athletes, organizational leaders, uh, medical professional who has a good life and who are successful? How come they can do it? How do I get to that point? So I went back to my root in neuroscience and public health before I went into medicine. And you know what's funny is that back then, like more than 10 years ago, right? Um, my study and my own research were on self-efficacy, self-care, stress management. I'm like, how the heck did I forget all that, right? And, <laughs> and it's just so typical of, we all put ourselves into a situation and you try to adapt into that situation. You stop thinking about all the tools you already have to help yourself and you become this just choo-choo train, right? You, you just keep going. You barely stop to pick up stuff and you, you, you just trying to get to the next place but the row is endless. It's constant moving target. Uh, and um, I start to think, wow, okay, if I study this, what else is out there? So then I start doing a deeper dive into getting my own self-trained from a personal standpoint and looking into all the other performance researches and uh, able to create a program now that after working with larger hospital organizations and pivoted into helping private practice owners to gain back a day per week because I truly believe it's not that we never have enough time, enough energy. It's we need to use time as a, a resource, as a commodity to help us to put in the least amount of effort to gain back the biggest impact for our team, for our patients, and for ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting because as you're talking, I'm evaluating kind of my own life and it seems like I I take on something new and then over time I get much more efficient at that and I'm discovering oh now I have all this extra time that I originally spent trying to learn that thing what can I fill that up with now because I'm so efficient here and yeah like you had mentioned you just keep stacking more and more onto your plate and you don't really recognize it until you take a step back and go 
you know, there is a lot on my to-do list and it's really difficult to just step back and take a day off because there is so much stuff and it, it is endless. You can always add on more to it. Yeah, I, you have such a good point. But many of my clients, uh, it's in the mindset of they cannot give themselves the permission just to do nothing. And we call that restlessness. Um, it's uh, one of the 10 sabotaging tendencies in um, the thought of passive intelligence. And what that means is it's not to say sabotaging tendencies are bad for us. Clearly, we work so hard, they helped us in some point of our life. But then when we wanted to level up and leapfrog, they are not going to help us, right? Because if we're restless, we're constantly being what anxious about what's next, what's next. Uh, if I have 10 minutes, I'm not doing anything. Ooh, this wrong. It feels weird, right? I have some of my friends and clients just like, what do you, what do you mean to have half day of not doing anything? I'm like, yeah, like, like thinking time like relaxing time, like not allow your mind to go 100 miles per hour time. Like we have to be able to allow us to do that because research show us when you are in a moment of quietness and peace, right? Then they study both, um, you know how like typical thing is when they study people think a lot more in shower and they, they're like, oh my God, I have this idea, right? In the shower, I should have write it down. Or people go into nature and when they go into a hike and people run retreats, just so you, you bring out more ideas because you allow your crazy monkey brain to shut down. And then your creative sage part of your brain can light up to actually help you to go get to the next level and thinking better ideas. So for those of us that seem to really enjoy stacking on everything onto our schedules, what can we do to start scaling back a little bit and not feel like we're lazy or something like that? Right. For some of you, you might have heard about Freedom Compass. Uh, so Michael Hyatt talked about this a lot. And the idea of Freedom Compass, I like to think about is a guide, right? A direction. If we don't have a guide, a direction, we will constantly do what? This sounds good. That sounds good. Oh, this might be helping my business. That's another interest. Maybe I'll uh, go down the rabbit hole of never ending, right? And so when you have the compass, this compass has four different categories. So called the desire zone, the distraction zone, the disinterest zone, and the joyful zone. Uh, I'm not sure if it's surprisingly or not surprisingly, but most of my clients like Sabrina, I feel like I'm doing 80% of things I don't like to do, right? How are we keep stuck in that dreadful zone is what Brian, you mentioned earlier. Oh, that sounds really good. I'll just spend this time to learn about it and then be efficient about it and then ke uh, keep getting onto the next thing, right? So a desire zone truly means something you like to do, right? It boosts your energy, you feel excited about, and something you're also really good at. So you have to have the talent and the passion both. And the psychological part of us that, especially new business owner, the new practitioners are creating a clinic, right? Or you're running some kind of um, new adventure, people's, the lie that we create in our brains, oh no, I'm too new, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough funds, I can't hire, oh, I, I can't be just stay in my desire zone. 
but that means you don't believe yourself in become successful. So if you truly believe that you create a business, a service, a clinic that no one else can serve the clients, the community you can support, and you trust yourself so much in your ability in achieving that result, and you trust yourself that other people do see your value and get there, then yes, you will have plenty of time, plenty of resources, plenty of people to help you get there. But if we don't have that belief system, of course, you won't allow yourself to stay in your desire zone and do more of that. So then what's the distraction zone is, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll learn about it. Maybe I'll just do it myself. Maybe if I do it, it will be quicker. Instead of hiring the expert to do it or delegate to that next talent in your own team who has the skill to do it for you, right? Because some of that sabotaging tendency I'm not willing to give up, it's called controlling, right? We feel like if we know every step of the way, then maybe it won't make us feel so anxious. But you actually make yourself so anxious by controlling every step of what other people do, right? Um, then the other is a hyperachiever tendency where you feel like only you can reach that goal, whether it's the revenue goal or uh, how many p- uh, clients you have to work with at the same time. If you don't reach it, you feel like your self-identity got hurt, right? You're no longer that successful person or whatever that title you give to yourself. And so there's a multiple things that go into why we got tracked by the distraction. Um, and then the disinterest means you have the talent, right? Why my client already have multiple practices, guess what he does for himself? He will still make an Excel and track all the in and out of their revenue. Like, whoa, okay. Like if you hire accounting, who does that? And all you do is weekly review those numbers. Guess what? You probably will only take not even half hour to review these numbers. And the accounting who's a professional, you'll pay them a less, less hourly rate, right? Or a salary than your salary. So if you are doing the type of work below your true worth, then you actually put yourself in a place of you're not that worthy, right? So one of the exercises I have all my practice owner do is calculate your own worth. What is your hourly rate? And if you can't even see that, and when you can see that, then you realize what type of tasks are not worthy of your own time and not getting into these other rounds, right? And the dreadful zone, it's self-explanatory. It's the opposite. You don't have the passion for it and you don't have the talent. Um, (laughs) And the excuse is, I got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a good idea to step back and take a look at if you value yourself at, we'll say a hundred bucks an hour to make it easy. And it would cost 40 bucks an hour for someone else to do that exact same thing. Well, if you're doing it, you're losing out on 60 bucks. If you have them do it, you're gaining that. So um, at the end of the day, people running businesses and all that stuff, you would like to see your profits um, up compared to if you decided to take on all the work yourself. So look for the thing that is going to provide the most profits for you. And that helps take the stress off of you, helps you to be able to do other things. You can um, uh, spend more time working on your own health uh, maybe that's a good hour that you could go for a walk or something else, you know. Um, so when it comes to stress, and I know a lot of business owners and stuff that listen to this, always high stress, especially the last two years. What, 
happens to our bodies under stress. And if we keep ourselves in that state for a long time, what is the ultimate end goal there? Yeah, such a great question. I think if you want to uh, talk about nitty gritty, of course, stress drive up for more cardiac disease, make your sugar goes higher, um, that turn into, we already have a, a diabetic pandemic too, right? So it, it has a lot of health implication. And then for all the fitness nuts out there, right? So for some people, it's like, I have my business and I work out a lot, right? Then they think of all the ways to optimize their health. But if they're not doing it in a way that you really be able to tap into all area of life, you're going to feel something is missing. So I always start with anybody, think about your 10 essential area of lives and how do you integrate everything together and not just so beelined um, the, with the new entrepreneurial journey people are more beeline into let me just get to where i need to go right let me just make that beginning revenue then everything i can the excuse is always like i don't talk to my friends i don't talk to anybody else i barely eat i may be made made up to the gym to make myself feel better but there's still um i some achy and pains and that i'm barely sleeping i'm not even sure what i'm talking to people about right so the 10 category is number one it's your personal mission so have you even written down or imagine so clearly understand what success looks like for you right what what does that mean for you to be in society what do you what are the roles that you play number two your personal growth who are you as a person um where are you headed is that maintaining status quo your goal or you feel like there's a constantly something that moving you toward your ultimate right uh, and then it's about lifestyle how do you want to live? Where do you want to live? What type of people do you want to have in your life, right? And like it can even go down the detail of apartment versus houses, type of the car, environment, ocean versus lake, all that type, right? For people who are in medicine, do you even want to take calls? Do you want to work that 10, 12 hour shift? Or you rather just want to like anybody else, eight hours, Monday to Friday, so then you can go home to watch your kids play soccer, right? Um, and then it's into your own physical health. We know, like I experienced that too. The first stage of burnout, you start feeling the physical tiredness, mental fog, can't really sleep well, all that jazz. And therefore, how are you maintaining your physical fitness so it doesn't hold you back from doing the things you truly wanted to accomplish? And then it's also mental well-being. Um, how are we leveraging psychology to play into our favor instead of holding us back, right? Like, um, because if you're in that funk state, right, you feel like, I can't believe this person did that. And then hours later, you're like, oh, I guess I didn't mean to say it that way, right? But then the situation already festered. Um, then you go into social support, right? Um, love relationship, the intimacy of where you need to be a career advancement, financial intelligence, right? And then spirituality. So sometimes we get so stuck on just gaining the financial stability and the career, we start forgetting everything else. Or other people is like, um, I also had a, um, a client entrepreneur, got into Taekwondo so much, but spent like three hours in the gym. I'm like, 
okay, so if you spend three hours in the gym and you go to work, then do you see anybody else now? Like, I, I, so we can't be so laser focused in one or two things. We needed to be able to have quality of time into everything. Then we can reduce the stress where we put on to our own self expectation and external expectation. Uh, and then the big thing I always see. Um, there's so much going into distress, right? Um, how do you use neural remodulation to bring yourself into that better, more focused and calm state? Then you can solve the problem or get yourself to the next point of life. Do you have any strategies on how to uh, shut off your brain so people can get more sleep? Yes, um, there are many different types when you think about sleep hygiene um, in way of hour before bedtime, no screen. Um, some people can, can argue that when they hear these um, TV background noise that actually help them to sleep. Well, a study also show, yeah, it works with this white noise machine. So I even do that. I tell Alexa, play heavy rain, because rain sound actually studies the most effective way for staying asleep. So actually what you need is that white noise, right? You're not really paying attention to it, help you to sleep and block out other noises. Uh, and then um, something else is make sure you have blackout curtains um, and you don't have light exposure because any light exposure, the example is when we fall asleep on the beach or right, at the pool, you wake up, you feel more tired because even your eyes are shut, your skin absorb the sun exposure. So it's not really helping you. It's still thinking it's light out. It's not giving you a full resting sleep for all this four stages of sleep. Um, and then other thing is when you have these, make sure your phone is away from you and not really where you can just grab your phone and then checking messages. The first thing you wake up or the last thing you go to bed, it make your brain so stimulated. And then the other things are um, where everyone probably have tried is cutting out caffeine four hours before bedtime. But something that I usually like people to do is find a meditation routine. Um, it doesn't have to be long. It could be a central channel breathing. So that means you feel like you're taking a breath, breath from the top of your head. You're moving that breath all the way to your third eye, to your throat, to your heart, to your navel, to your pelvis, flow all the way down. So that's one breath, right? Slow, deep breath, hold it for about three seconds and breath, exhale. And then from ground to pelvis, to navel, to your heart, throat, mouth, third eye, and up. So that's one central channel breathing. Other type of mindfulness practice could just be a um, quick breath in, slow breath out. Um, no matter what you do, and it simply is allow yourself not to think. <laughs> You're focused so much on the breath, then you're calming yourself, you slow down your heart rate, and put yourself into a better stage uh, before you go to bed. What about like a brain dump on into a journal or something? Like if uh, yep. there's so much going on at work and you just having a hard time really stop thinking about it, is it helpful to pull out a journal and write all that down and then close the journal and then, okay, at least I have it somewhere. Maybe now I can go to sleep. Yeah, writing can be a good practice either before sleep or when you wake up. Um, where you just um, feel like you're 
writing stuff down. So something that I even had my clients try is uh, with the phone recording memo, you speak. Because we can uh, speak faster than we write. Sometimes writing, you actually lose ideas. And instead of trying to write and then getting distracted with writing, you just talk into your phone and it's recorded. Now you feel like, and ask yourself this point, do you feel complete? Okay, I'm, I'm done, right? So you allow yourself to confirm you're done. And then you go to bed because you feel more complete at this point. Um, and another thing that I have people to do is that before you go to bed, you can also visualize what would be the perfect day look like for when you wake up, right, for the next day. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel when you wake up? What are the type of people you're gonna meet? Uh, what kind of conversation? What could potentially be the best three things that are happening in the next day? And uh, to give yourself that, wow, I'm actually looking forward to that. So I'm gonna go to sleep with a more of a calm uh, state. For some people, when they make a to-do list, they tend to write out every single little detail. Um, other people, I've seen strategies where you have like two or three big things you want to accomplish for the day, um, and then the details don't really matter as much uh, for checking off. Uh, you just want to knock out those little, uh, those big couple of rocks during the day. Is there a better approach to a to-do list um, so that you don't feel like if you don't get to all the items, then you're a failure? Or what are some strategies you have for to-do lists? Right, I usually typically say, don't make a to-do list, make a to-not-do list. Um, what, so you, when you sit down, it's like, what should you not do for the day? Uh, when you think about to-do lists, I tell people the best way is to, to uh, block out time. You mentioned the three big things for the day, right? because our brain constantly looking for reward on confirmation. So when we are actually writing a to-do because we want it to feel like I check off something, right? Like I actually done something for the day, but then it become never ending. So what I usually talk to people about is figure out when is your peak performance hours. Most people only have two to three hours in a day and that is based on your circadian rhythm. So usually I do that with my clients and then figure out, okay, so if there's only two to three hours of that day's most highly performed hours, then you have to not let anybody disrupt you. That means no phone calls, no meetings, you do the most creative thing, most revenue producing or whatever that means for you. And um, during those time, we do block of concentration block of only 30 minutes really it's about 20 to 30 minutes. You set alarm, and what I usually recommend is this type of desk alarm, where you turn it and you set for five, 20, 15, 30, uh, 45, whatnot, right? Instead of using your phone, because if you try to use your phone to set a timer, guess what? You're gonna start like, oh, there's alert, there's an email, there's a text message. So a desktop alarm, it's the best way to do a concentrated block. And the goal, is to say, I made it to that block. And once the alarm goes off, it's non-negotiable, you're gonna take a five minute break. I like that, that's a cool clock. Um, yeah, because 
like you said, jumping on your phone, I just looked over at my phone and I see there's a bunch of notifications on there and instantly my mind goes, what's on those notifications? So yeah, having something separate, not attached to any notifications whatsoever. It's just a clock that you can rotate to however many minutes you want to be productive for. That's a fantastic way to do that. Right, and usually these clocks, we know by neuroscience study, people are mostly concentrated is about the 20 minute mark. And even think about soap opera shows, right? They really wanted to keep it with like 30 minutes. Um, and people really start to lose concentration after hour. So I always say block your calendar for 20 to 30 minutes at a time. You can do the same type of task in multiple blocks, that's fine. But what we don't want is to have like two hour span, no breaks, your body start, guess what? getting bored of the task that you're doing, you start going to go to another browser, another email, and, uh, and then grab your phone to check what's going on. What happens if you're doing a task um, and you set the time for 30 minutes and it'll take about, I don't know, 35. So you're, you get to the alarm part and you're like, oh, I just have five more minutes. Do you take your break nope. or do you finish? I, as I said, it's non-negotiable. Because when you give yourself another five minutes, what does that mean? You're going to keep extending it. Mm. When was the last time you just told someone or told yourself, just give me my extra five minutes, I'll finish. And then five minutes go by, you're not done. Mm. Yep, good point. Now, I, I run into this where I know a task only takes like five to ten minutes, um, but it's a task I don't care for that much. And so I avoid it by doing other stuff. Yeah, so that means that uh, task is in what? Your disinterest zone, right? Mm -hmm. So that if it's in your disinterest zone, you should not be doing it. You should be delegating or delete. So focus phone means what? Number one, delete. Number two, delegate. Number three is delayed. So purposely delay, right? If no one else can do it but you, and then you can think about, oh, maybe I'll do it later. But it really means it's probably then gonna go back on top of the focus funnel later to see if it's actually worth your time because any five or 10 minutes add up together are still just wasteful time, right? And then and the, to the bottom is uh, decide, decide on when you have to do it, um, assign to which focus block, or I have to do it now, right? There's a deadline come up, let me just do it now because it's my priority. And uh, when you delay a task that you know is important, then maybe other people in your team or someone else can do this almost as well as you, right? If <laughs> you don't trust them that much, but even they can do 80% of what needs to be done, guess what, your 20% is a lot easier. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this is good stuff, Sabrina. I really like it. Um, is there any final things you want to make sure we cover when it comes to productivity and stress reduction? Yeah, I always say you have to say no to almost everything. Then you can say heck yes to the only thing that truly matters. And saying no is such a difficult thing for many people. Uh, and that go into our 10 sabotaging tendency, right? Like how do we help ourselves not get to that point and then feel confident in all the yeses that we present and not feeling like they become obligation and they're not really moving us where we need to go. So every no thinking as a new opportunity. 
awesome yeah for sure i love um i love just organizing your life and your production in a way that makes it exciting for you so you don't just feel like you're dragging on and doing the same thing over and over and no longer interested in it um and i i think a lot of the stuff that you just brought is a fantastic way for a lot of us entrepreneurs to just kind of sit back and reevaluate where we're at with things and if we're doing the stuff that we shouldn't be doing and um when to start you know cutting some stuff out or delegating it to other people and recognizing that we don't have to do it all and at the end of the day um you can try to do everything but if you're you lose your health then it's not worth it in the end so i i appreciate everything that you brought to this episode people can learn more about you at sabrinarunbeck.com you also have a program that you wanted to share with us as well can you tell us a little bit more about it yeah i see people when they come to me they're either sabrina just fix everything for me right like kind of wanted to be I'm the person leading them, doing all the assessing, where, how they got trapped into a certain situation, or how they can change their way to cut down on the decision fatigue. Or they're the other way where I just need to talk to you when I need you, right? Like when things come up, even like just say you have a whole marketing team running your business, but you're delaying your dis- things to turn it back to them. So why is this happening? Right. So or maybe you have a staff member that you really need to let go, but you don't want it to create quote unquote conflicts in your company. Right. How do you have these conversations that will help you to have an exit interview that benefit you instead of feeling like, oh, you're creating a difficult situation? Um, so when those happen, what I call them is uh, unlimited laser support through the whole year and people can book unlimited 15 minutes of session with me because we all know those long hours of uh, deep dives can be a lot on you and then can be a lot on me, right? And when you just need something, I'm always there with uh, unlimited calls and email support and people can go to sabrinarunback.com forward slash focus and to um, gain your focus back. Awesome, Sabrina. And people can also find you on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you so much for coming on and teaching us some productivity hacks. Um, We definitely appreciate it. And I know there's a lot of business people that listen to this episode that this will be very helpful for. I hope you were able to take some nuggets of information from this episode and be able to apply it to your daily lives to try to gain back some of that time that you are wasting on being overly stressed and trying to knock out an endless to-do list. If you want to learn more about Sabrina, then head on over to sabrinarunback.com and links to anything that we talked about in this episode can be found at summitforwellness.com slash 183. Now, if you liked this episode and it was really helpful to you, then if you could either share it with someone you know or leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app of choice, that really helps to just spread the word about what we're doing at this show and get more people to listen in onto these episodes. Next week, I have Camille Martin on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what we'll be talking about. I am here with Camille Martin. Hey, Camille, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? I jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> Ooh.
little skydiving action. I was so terrified of it. I was making a bucket list and it was like, that was the one thing I would never put on there. And I was joking with the person I was making it with. And I said, there's no way I would ever do that. And then I was like, well, if I'm that scared of it, I think that means I have to do it. So I did and I'll never do it again. (laughs) I was going to ask, what was your experience? Would you do it again? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it maybe. Um, it really was a good um, fear-busting thing. It, it actually was exhilarating and fun once the chute opened and we were like on our way down to the ground, but it was terrifying, um, I have to say. And I don't think I would do it again. I faced that fear and now we're done. <laughs> did you have to jump or did were you strapped to someone that jumped for you? Hell no, I was tandem. There's no way I could like do it. <laughs> And you know what he did, Brian? It was awful. I said, his name was Liam, and he was from Ireland. He had an accent, and he was hilarious. And I said, Liam, please don't do anything crazy like a front flip out of the plane or something. He's like, no, I got you. And you know what he did? Of course, he did like two front flips, and I was screaming. Oh, Lord. I'm having yep, a I'm yeah, having Never PTSD. tell people what not to do. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Big mistake. <laughs> Well, what will we be learning about in our interview together? Um, yeah, let's just talk about in the interview that we are not going to diet anymore because diets don't work. And I want to show people that the only way truly to change your body is by changing your habits and not doing all of these crazy crash diets and extreme things. It's about making small changes over time for a long period of time. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Well, I love avocados. I eat at least one a day. I'm obsessed with avocados. Um, And I think, honestly, people don't get enough. I think we know this, but we don't get enough omega-3 fatty acids. So um, it's important to take a supplement if you don't eat fish. I'm a vegetarian, and so I don't eat fish. I um, I actually take a vegan omega-3 supplement, but... um, it's omega-3s are ALA, EPA, and DHA, and DHA and um, EPA can be converted from ALA, but it's very inefficient. So it's important if you don't eat fish that you, you really need to take a supplement because it's important for inflammation and um, it's important for everything. So. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? I would say that you want to feed your mind every day with something inspiring to set you on the right course. Um, And then I would definitely say get more sleep, get quality sleep. um, And cutting back on drinking really helps with that, just as a little side note. And then I think laughing is hugely underrated and we're all so stressed out anyway that we we need to get more laughter and lightheartedness in our lives. And it really, it's scientifically proven to improve your health, boost serotonin, lower your blood pressure. So that's, those are the big three for me. It seems like this topic of how diets don't work continues to keep popping up. So this episode with Camille will be a great one for you to listen to if you are falling into that category of trying all these diets without getting success. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.